0: There was a debate at our house the other night about which movie is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. People felt very strongly about their votes, which included National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, A Christmas Story, Elf, The Polar Express, and, of course, Die Hard. (laughs) Now, I gave the correct answer, which is love, actually. (laughs) It's a film that perfectly captures the joy and the pain and the wistfulness of this season. Now, the debate was pretty fierce, and no one budged from their position to see the truth of mine, but I'm reminded of a cartoon in which two people are standing across from each other looking down at a number that's written on the ground, arguing over what number it is. From one side, it is clearly a six, but from the other side, it's actually a nine. Each side is so confident in its interpretation, it's so obvious, because what else could possibly be true? Now, while I don't know which Christmas movie he would vote for, Jesus was consistently on a mission to get us to see a different Perspective. We look at the world and we see a particular reality that we know to be true. Let's say we see a six. It seems so obvious. But over and over again, Jesus pointed at the world to show us a nine. That nine was about a deeper truth about the world, about ourselves, about the past, the future about God. The nine that he revealed was a sign of hope that what we see in our world of sixes is not all that there is. On several occasions, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. In other words, there is more than what we can see. The question for us then Is how do we go about believing in that something more beyond what we know to be true. Our readings this morning are a good place to start, especially Isaiah's vision. It is breathtakingly beautiful. It's a promise of hope to exiles, to people whose world looks bleak. The wilderness, usually so harsh and dry, will rejoice and bloom. People who suffer will be healed, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Streams will spring up in the desert, and a road will emerge called the Holy Way for all of God's people to find their way back to Zion. No traveler, not even fools, will lose their way. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall be no more. It seems too good to be true. But the prophet presents the vision as a reality that will surely unfold. From there, fast forward to John the Baptist who's in prison. He has heard rumors about Jesus, which lead him to wonder if there is truth beyond what he can see from his prison cell. Is Jesus the one to bring about Isaiah's vision? So Jesus sends messengers to report back to John all that they have seen and heard, not just a hopeful idea, but a new reality. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus is very presence in the world has caused Isaiah's vision to come to life quite literally. When Jesus comes near, death in all of its forms is overcome. People's bodies and spirits are made whole, and story after story, there is even resurrection from the dead. Jesus has that effect wherever he goes. Now Jesus' message to John in prison, it's also a message to us, that God's realm is somehow truer than the limited view that we see around us. The kingdom is already unfolding. We could reject that message as wishful thinking and insist that the world is only what we can see. But Jesus is clear. Not only that there is more to this world, but that there is reason to hope in its unfolding, even reason to rejoice. That is the essence of Advent, a time of preparation for Christ, who is the embodiment of everything that Isaiah and John the Baptist hoped for. This time of year, I think we seem to find ourselves in a Somewhat confusing world of troubling headlines and twinkling Christmas lights. The world looks like a six. But we are once again invited to throw our faith into a world of nines, into a world where God becomes flesh to heal all of it. Advent, it is said, is the season when Christians are called to live with more hope than the world thinks is reasonable. Our unreasonable hope is echoed in the words of Madeline L'Engle, who wrote, This is the irrational season, when love blooms bright and wild. Had Mary been filled with reason, there would have been no room for the child. Now, speaking of Mary, there's a story I love to tell each Advent, which comes from the writer Phyllis Tickle. A young woman approached her after a lecture with a question about the virgin birth. Phyllis assumed that this young woman would be a cynic, too young or smart or sophisticated to believe in such quaint ideas. Oh no, the young woman replied when asked her position. It must be true, because it is so beautiful." That woman stands in a long and faithful line from Isaiah to John the Baptist to Mary and to all those who have dreamt of the day when God will heal this world. We may still be waiting this Advent, but we do have concrete signs of that redemption in the life and death and resurrection of Christ. The full vision must be true because it is so Beautiful. So, my friends, in this season of Advent, you are invited to embrace a hope that may seem unreasonable. Maybe you could use a little more hope this time of year amidst the twinkling Christmas lights. Now, Christmas movies are a fine place to start, but Holy Scripture is even better. The world will tell us that hope is irrational— that a six is all that there is. But cynicism is nothing compared to the nearly 3,000-year-old wisdom of the prophet Isaiah. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That is our unreasonable hope, truer than anything else. And if, like Mary, we open our hearts, it may bloom bright and wild in us too. Amen.